This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Also, make sure to check out and subscribe to our YouTube original channel, UCTV Prime, available only on YouTube at youtube.com slash UCTV Prime. This UCTV podcast is sponsored in part by Audible.com, your destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available, including many by guests you've heard here on UCTV. Audible.com is offering UCTV podcast listeners a free 30-day trial subscription and one free audiobook download. Just visit audibletrial.com slash UCTV to sign up. That's audibletrial.com slash UCTV. And thanks. Marlene is going to present uh, for us next. Uh, it's difficult to introduce her because even though I've known her for several years now, I'm still unclear how to pronounce her first or last name. So I, I'll just call her MG. And <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Eichler. All right, so it's either Marlene Grennan or Marlene Grenon, but I always say, like, as long as I understand I'm being talked to, it's fine. So I'm going to talk today, uh, try to follow the previous really, really excellent talk and talk about a little bit about screening for ischemia in the diabetic foot. Uh, there's no disclosure for this talk. So I'm going to ask you the question, in the diabetic patients, what is the pattern of atherosclerotic uh, sclerotic disease uh, and which one of the following is false? So I think we can start the counter. Exactly. So, like, uh, the, the, the answer is uh, one here. So, severe inflow disease uh, patients, diabetic patients may have inflow disease, but usually it's more like tibial disease, and we'll go uh, through that in the, uh, during the talk. And in diabetic patients with neuropathy, which would be the best screening tool, uh, the one that would have the highest sensitivity? So either the pulse exam by the vascular surgeon, uh, the ABI, the ABI with exercise, the tobrachial index, or the pulse volume recording. Very good. So the tobrachial index is the one that has the highest sensitivity, but the pulse volume recording is uh, actually very good also, as uh, you'll see. So I'm going to try to discuss with you uh, today why like, screening is important, how it can be accomplished, and how we could use the results uh, to optimize management. So as we're all familiar with, uh, PAD is a public health issue, and in the primary care setting, it could be up to one-third of the patients that suffer from this disease. Uh, risk factors, as were discussed this morning, include smoking, diabetes, hypertension. But as you can see, diabetes here is uh, one of the, uh, that has a very high relative risk. And some numbers uh, that were uh, discussed in detail by Dr. Andros, uh, but uh, there's more than 23 million diabetics in the U.S. and worldwide more than 350 million patients that suffer from this disease. Once patients have uh, diabetes, their risk of CAD, cerebrovascular disease, or PADs, uh, up by fourfold. One out of three patients with diabetes that ha uh, are age 50 or more have PAD. Once patients have diabetes and neuropathy, 7 to 10% of them will develop an ulcer uh, annually. If this is compounded with PED, it goes up to 25 to 30%. 
And then diabetes is the number one cause of amputation uh, in the U.S. If uh, we look at the age-adjusted risk for amputation, it's 28-fold higher. So diabetic with PED are at significant increased risk for mortality and limb loss. Let's look a little bit at more numbers. So you can see here that with impaired glucose tolerance and diabetes, your risk of PED is higher. And the next slide actually uh, demonstrates that once CLI is established or patients have uh, like uh, an ulcer or uh, related to that, the mortality at uh, six months is 20%. Compounded with diabetes, this is much higher with a mortality of 50% at six months. Uh, these, uh, this is coming here from our own data with the heart and soul study looking at patients with coronary artery disease and it demonstrates that uh, in that setting with coronary artery disease, if you have PED on top of that, you're, uh, you're, uh, you have a, a double risk of having a CVD event or dying from it. And actually the factor that explained the most this excess risk was the hemoglobin A1C. So diabetes in that setting is a major problem. Again, here demonstrating a classical slide demonstrating that patients that have diabetes are more at risk of losing their limb. So why is that? Be, uh, could that uh, be like uh, we've had like quite a good, uh, excellent actually insight into that in the previous uh, uh, presentations? But diabetics have a unique pattern of peripheral atherosclerosis, less frequent inflow disease. The SFA is often uh, spared, more severe tibial disease with the pedal vessels uh, uh, often spared. Also, there's less chance of collateralization, and there's also a chance of having stenosis in the collaterals. The pathology is both an atherosclerosis but also a medial calcification and with the coexistent neuropathy that has profound effect on the foot in the setting of all those metabolic abnormalities. And those are uh, uh, typical slides, uh, typical like disease pattern here that you can see in terms of sparing of the inflow, like pretty clean, like SFA, popteal, with the tibial disease uh, being uh, uh, like more profound here, and then reconstitution of uh, the, the DP. So PD is a different and more virulent disease in the diabetic population, and then screening uh, becomes uh, much uh, worthwhile. How can we accomplish that? Well, what are the goals of the non-invasive screening? Uh, confirm the presence of disease, uh, being able to provide reproducible physiological data with regards to this, uh, disease severity, document the location of the disease and the, uh, uh, and the importance of the lesions, prepare a plan for intervention, and being able to follow after we per, uh, perform an intervention. For one mistake made for not look, uh, knowing, 10 mistakes are made for not looking. So the first place would be to do a, a physical examination, and we should not be fooled by the fact that the foot may appear pink and relatively warm, which is very common in the presence of arteriovenous shunting. 
uh, we often have debates uh, in terms of like what's the best screening tool. Here's a, a different tools that we could use, like uh, we could look at hemodynamic or physiological measurement with the ABI or the tobrachial index, the segmental uh, Doppler pressures, pulse volume recordings. We could look at tissue perfusion and then again confirm like uh, with some anatomic imaging. Um, the American Diabetic Association uh, recommends to screen diabetic patients that are over the age of 50, as well as younger insulin-dependent patients with other vascular risk factors with the ankle brachial index. And we put together a little video a few years ago uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine that we use as in clinic like, and to educate the nurses and the medical students and the residents in terms of how to do the ABI. So the uh, ABI, the normal range, as you're all familiar with, is 0.9 to 1.3. The cutoff for diagnosis of PED is less than 0.9. However, there's some studies that suggest that in diabetic patients, we should use a cutoff that is slightly higher, like 1 to 1.1. There is, like an intra-observer variability that is present there. There's different methods of uh, calculating the ABI, but as per the different like society, uh, we should be using the highest pressure in the leg and the highest pressure in the arm. What happens with the ABI in diabetic patients? Well, the sensitivity and specificity drop, like sensitivity 63 to 100%, specificity 85 to 97%. But this, when this is compounded with neuropathy, it goes even lower. In another study uh, by Shang and colleagues, the most significant factor affecting the validity of the ABI was diabetes. So what can we do? Other tools that exist, like the toe brachial index, uh, is one of them. Uh, it is simple, can be used in the vascular or done in vascular surgery lab uh, with a normal, like being more than 0.75. Severe ischemia is present when it's less than 0.25 and uh, with an absolute pressure of less than 30 millimeters of mercury, uh, like the chances of healing, as we'll see, are pretty uh, low. Segmental pressures are another tool that can be used for screening diabetic patients, uh, and it also allows to locate the, the, uh, the, or see where the disease is located. Uh, we could have pulse volume recordings that could be done, which are pretty good when uh, the, uh, the leg is calcified or the arteries are, are calcified. And, uh, and then the transtarsal waveform is good for the foot healing. Uh, with regards to tissue perfusions, uh, like uh, this is a method that can be used. It's a little bit more variable, can be uh, with regards to room temperature, location of the probe, uh, so from one setting to another it can vary. But it's uh, the rise in the CCPO2 can be used to predict like who's going to be benefit from hyperbaric uh, oxygen therapy. Another tool uh, that can be used is the laser Doppler, and this is a machine that we've just acquired recently at the VA, and a pressure of 30 millimeters uh, or uh, less uh, would be an issue with regards to uh, healing. Is there studies looking at what is the best? There's actually only a few studies. Uh, this was uh, published uh, like in 2001, 
to uh, to be uh, high or not to be uh, indexed. Like so, that's the question. So the uh, but in this study, the authors found that the majority of patients with diabetes, the TBI conveyed no advantage to the uh, ABI uh, for looking at perfusion in the limbs, except in the patients that had a fair amount of calcification uh, represented by an ABI of more, more than 1.3, which we would expect. In this study uh, that was published a little bit more recently, the authors look at uh, the sensitivity, specificity, uh, accuracy of the different like uh, measures, screening measures in patients uh, that had diabetes and no neuropathy, and patients that had diabetic and uh, diabetes and neuropathy. And in that setting, the TBI and uh, basically the pulse uh, volume uh, recordings were the best uh, measures for improved sensitivity. Uh, we have also other tools for screening, ultrasound, and then uh, obviously if we want to confirm the diagnosis, uh, we could uh, go on to anatomic uh, imaging. So uh, what types of pressures do we need uh, for healing? Uh, this is a classical study like, that demonstrated that for uh, patients that had no diabetes or patients that have diabetes, at any type of ankle or toe like, pressure level, your patients with diabetes are going to have a much uh, lesser chance of healing. And that uh, basically underlined the, the problem in terms of like, uh, like healing with the same pressure. And this is the classical like uh, like graph in terms of healing, and you could see that like with uh, like toe pressures or TCO2 less than 30, uh, basically your chance of healing uh, is going to be much lower, like around 50 percent. So with that, with screening, we should remember that in patients that uh, have diabetes and uh, with a foot ulcer, if there are no palpable pulses, even if there are Dopplerable pulses, those patients should be investigated. Uh, in an ulcer, a patient that has a diabetic patient that has an ulcer that is stagnant, we should be investigating. We should trust the ABI when it's low, but not when it's high. And then if it's high or we're really suspicious, we should go on to more investigation like the toe pressures, uh, uh, pressures or perfusion assessment. So with that, like, how could we use uh, these tools to best optimize management? Uh, uh, well, we have some guidelines from the uh, American Heart Association, uh, and these uh, are for, for patients basically that are asymptomatic or that have atypical leg symptoms, and patients that have diabetes fall into those categ uh, categories if they have no uh, lesions because of their high risk of developing PED. So in patients that have an increased uh, like ABI, then the, the recommendations are to proceed with more like screening uh, tools or screening uh, tests, and then if we have abnormal results and confirmation of the PED diagnosis, really optimizing like the risk factors in terms of like advice with uh, smoking cessation, treatment of hypertension, treatment of lipids, treatment of diabetes uh, with uh, keeping the hemoglobin A1C less than 7%, uh, and then like more pharmacological risk reduction. 
in the setting of critical limb ischemia, which we've discussed uh, this morning, then there should be an early referral like, to the vascular specialist in order to provide the best possible uh, revascularization if the, if the patient is a candidate for revascularization. And then like, uh, going on to uh, surveillance like, uh, to make sure that there's no recurrence of uh, the lesions or the ulcers. Now, like, what else point uh, in the, uh, from the standpoint of medical treatment can we do? Do we have some evidence that, uh, you know, being uh, like uh, intensive, like therapy would help? There is, but it's controversial. Uh, this is a study in 2008 that uh, uh, took 160 patients and provided a multifactorial intervention in patients with type 2 uh, diabetes, and they based their treatment on the American diabetic uh, uh, recommendations. In this uh, case, they kept the hemoglobin A1C less than 6.5. There's uh, the fasting total cholesterol uh, less than 175, the triglyceride less than 150, control of blood pressure, ACE inhibitors for microalbuminuria, and then low-dose aspirin. So this demonstrated that, that there was a significant reduction in the endpoints of death or like uh, cardiovascular events altogether. Some of them included revascularization, and that was revascularization for lower limb uh, ischemia and amputation. So there is an advantage like in patients that do not have like, uh, like an active lesion to like really um, uh, 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 consider like um, intensive like multifactorial uh, intervention. When I say controversy, like there's two more trials that were published like that year in the New England Journal of Medicine that included many more patients. Those trials look at uh, uh, glycemic control, intensive glycemic control and diabetic patient. In the one, the advanced trial, there's a significant reduction in the primary endpoint, but that was secondary to a decrease in the nephropathy. Uh, however, in the ACCORD trial that was published uh, the same year, there's no significant difference in the endpoint like, of uh, non-fatal MI, non-fatal stroke, and CVD death. And there's an increase in the mortality, which was thought uh, to be secondary to hypoglycemic event. So again, like, uh, one should be careful in terms of like, uh, uh, the like, intensive therapy. Uh, as a, uh, again, it was demonstrated this morning, uh, diabetic uh, rapid response team is really important, and that uh, and uh, Dr. Fitzgerald and team demonstrated that some of uh, the the important points with that response team was the ability to perform hemodynamic and anatomic vascular assessment with uh, revascularization if necessary, and then the ability to perform wound assessment and staging rating of, uh, uh, of infection in ischemia. At the VA, we have a protocol in place. We work very closely with the podiatrist. If a PVD uh, is uh, suspected, like a screening test take place, and then like uh, those patients are then referred to vascular surgery where uh, a vascular intervention and revascularization can take place if necessary. And at UCSF, there's also a, a very big effort for uh, limb uh, preservation with the Center for Limb Preservation. And uh, Live Savage uh, program with like inpatient and outpatient care, uh, like combined clinics on Friday morning and having the pediatric resident on the team and the vascular surgery team. 
So overall, the results of the screening test can be used to optimize care, including risk factor management, appropriate referral, and then surgical revascularization. So what I'm going to leave you uh, like with this presentation in terms of uh, take-home messages that patients with diabetes are at high risk of PD, as we've seen. Early referral and intervention is key. Non-invasive vascular testing is recommended in all patients like with diabetes and foot ulcer. Uh, image if non-invasive tests indicate ischemia. Ensure that medical therapy is optimized and then revascularize as needed to be able to uh, preserve, uh, improve distal perfusion and uh, promote ulcer healing. All right. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.